<laughs> Do they hear us now? Good! Combo Nation! What up? What up? What up, everyone? Welcome to episode 293 of Combo's Court, and I am Combo. Don't forget to rate, review, and punch down on that subscribe button. Share this episode, man. Share with a friend. Share it on social media, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn. Share it on your IG stories and tag me at 1-2-Combo on Instagram. That's O-N-E-T-W-O-C-O-M-B-O. Today's show, Raphael Barlow of DraftJunkies.com and host of the Locked On NBA Draft Podcast joins in to talk Summer League and more. A fantastic conversation with Raphael. You can find Raphael on Twitter at Barlow500. Oh, that's right. Barlow 500. That's B-A-R-L-O-W-E-5-0-0. Zero, zero. Intro music by Luca Beats. Let's get into it. Raphael Barlow, founder of NBA Draft Junkies, host of the Locked On NBA podcast. Welcome back to Combos Core, man. It was great chopping it up with you in person at Vegas Summer League, man. Yeah, man, that's the whole purpose of Summer League to me. I mean, basketball is in the background, but just the the networking and meeting different people that you've talked to on social media, and whether it's Zoom or Twitter and all of that. To me, that's that's the main reason for summer league. I mean, there could be some good basketball, but you know how it is in summer league in Vegas after like the first four days, it's just, it's brutal for you. So yeah, um, it was good to catch up. It was the first day I was there that we, that we caught up. And then you're one of the few people that I literally saw every single day, whether it's just passing by. Right. And, you know, usually you don't see the same people every day, which tells me you were at the games every day. So you were, you were there. Yeah, man, I'm there to watch some games, man. I'm there to watch some games. I mean, in Vegas, you always have a lot to do, but I was definitely locked into those into those games. I saw a lot of basketball, man. I have to say, congrats on your engagement on the pod. Oh, thanks. Yeah, yeah that sure. was, uh, you know, imagine like being in Vegas the whole week, knowing that that's that's coming up. <laughs> so for sure, uh, yeah, man, that was you know a big deal, and glad she said yeah. Yeah. Congrats, man. Congrats for sure. Um, It's interesting. You mentioned the first four days and I think that's the time you got to get there because, you know, some of the top prospects they they get safe with and uh, they kind of shut them down and the other top performers, they shut them down because they probably shouldn't even be there in the first place, you know? Yeah, exactly. And then I think if a guy's playing really, really bad and he's highly regarded, they shut him down also because, you know, they don't want that to be the main subject of the, the whole week or so. But, yeah, I mean, the first few days were pretty good. I, well, I missed the first actual day on Sunday. I did watch those games, and then I was traveling. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I thought it was some good basketball. Were you in the building for Cade versus Jalen? Because was, that was great I was. energy. I was. That was great energy. Yeah, I was. I, I was at that game, but it was weird because Jalen had, like, 25, if I remember correctly. But it seemed like it was a quiet 25. 100%. 100%. Got a lot of free throws. He was efficient, but it was like a quiet 25. So my thing was after that, to that point, is like if he continues to play, I thought he would get a 35 or 40-point game because that was an easy 25. Yeah, it was definitely easy. And I haven't – I think we talked about it in person. I was not as high on Josh Christopher, and I felt like Christopher – I'm probably just off the top of my head. Christopher probably took more shots than than Green in the games that they played. That yeah. should not happen. I don't know why Houston was trying Christopher at the point, but I thought like some games it was just a disaster because he, I mean, he's just looking for a shot every time. And uh, yeah, I just I I mean I I definitely didn't want to see Josh Christopher take more shots than Jalen Green. 
Yeah, I think Jalen Green at the two does make sense. What doesn't make sense is when you have Killian as your initiator and Cade is playing off the ball, even though Cade has proved that he's such a great shooter, you know? Well, I mean, I think they have to see if they can't play together. I mean, Killian yeah. was the seventh pick in the draft last year. He is a point, and he's not really good off the ball because shooting is one of his weaknesses. So it's kind of like one of those things where I think it could be similar to Luca and Dennis Smith in a sense. Dennis Smith had like a really good, well, on paper, he had a really good rookie. He put up like 14 points per game. They end up drafting Luca and, you know, they had to see if it, it can work. And then, but we knew early on that, okay, Luca is best with the ball in his hands. And I think that's what's going to have to happen with Cade. But just like that situation, Cade is better off the ball than Killian Hayes, just like Luca is 100%. better off the ball because, you know, a better shooter. So it, it'll be interesting what, what ends up happening. I mean, hopefully for Killian, it's not, you know, the downhill, downward spiral that Dennis Smith went through. But I, I just think they're going to start them off at the beginning of the year. Then eventually they're going to realize, like, okay, Cade needs the ball in his hands every single possession. Yeah, Cade was great in summer league to be, uh, you know, just a natural born leader. And I think what was really encouraging was his shooting. And I think it was the game after that one. I think he went like, what did he go from three, seven for 10, maybe? Yeah. And he's, I mean, he's done a tremendous work on his shot, you know, coming into his freshman year, that was one of the concerns. Like, can he shoot consistently? Even though right. and, they, and even people were saying this was outlier year. Yeah, I don't I, I was like, no, nah, he put in the work because right, right. in my opinion, and I, I feel the same thing about Davion Mitchell. All right. You can have an outlier. You're not saying that that's not impossible, but usually if a guy has an outlier year, it's probably catch and shoot, you know, but mm-hmm. the way Davion and Cade were shooting pull ups contested off the dribble. There's a confidence behind those shots that lets you know, like I've put in the work like I'm shooting this. You know, I'm dancing in your face and shooting this pull. I've worked on this. Yeah, I think that's an underrated part of basketball. Just the ease of the transition from the dribble to the shot is so very important. But it's tough. Uh, yeah, it, definitely. Because you got to have the, the handle, balance, footwork. I mean, I think that's like a new statistic. You know, I think like this is the new from the – we're starting to see the guys that are developing this from watching Steph and Dame – Cause you know, before nobody shot threes off the dribble. You're right. If they did, it was like, yeah, I, I can't think of guys prior to like the Steph and Dame generation where guys were, especially guards, were shooting threes. Maybe Mark Price and Mahmoud Abdul Rauf. Yeah, but even then, yeah, I don't even know if they. But even then, they it definitely wasn't at the volume. And Pistol Pete. Yeah, but they didn't <laughs> have a three point line though. That's true. That's true. Yeah. For, for, for like 98% of Pistol Pete's NBA career and his whole college right. career. Yeah. No three-point line. Yeah. So that type of – I mean, I think Jason Williams probably did it a little bit, yeah. but he yeah. wasn't like efficient. But, I mean, the way Steph and Dame, I mean, they're doing it like sizing you up, step backs. So I, now you're starting to see where that's supposed to be in every guard's, every primary ball handler's game. So you're starting – you're going to see a lot more guys that have that. And Cade – is, is in that next wave of three-point shot creators where he can create his own three, which makes you so much more dangerous. If you can create your own three, go to the basket and pass, like how, how can you defend that? Yeah, and I think Suggs is a better shooter off the dribble than he even is catch and shoot, right? Yep, but he's – and I can see that because he's probably always had the ball in his hands because he's always been the best decision maker on his team. So he probably doesn't really get a lot of opportunities where he's catching and shooting. Yeah, all right. You're really high on Alperin Shagun, and he's one of the most interesting players. Yes, sir. Uh, you know, in this draft class at Summer League, he was really fun to watch. I mean, the guy, uh, he, he can't speak much English, which I think he'll get better at that. But the thing is, his feel for the game is so elite. But on the other hand, I feel like he feels most comfortable in the post, like he kind of yeah. gravitates towards the post. Do you think that he'll just be so elite that – NBA team will just give him that reign to go wherever he wants in the post a lot, or he's going to have to make some big adjustments to his game in the modern NBA. Uh, I think a combination of both. 
And I thought that he had a really good summer league, despite not getting touches in the post where he's most effective. Right? He's had to already adjust his game in the summer league, but you can just see he's so talented and he's so good that he finds ways to put the ball in the basket. I think, if I'm not mistaken, I think I saw he's shooting 37% from three. I think something like that, yeah. Which and he, he got and, off and he to made, a bad start. And he made some really deep ones. That's what yeah. was impressive. Well, that one was a bomb. It was, I think, Christopher, who I said I wasn't a fan of, threw him the ball with like two seconds left on the shot clock, and he had to launch it from the logo. But, yeah, I, I think also with this team that he had, I mean, I thought Houston had a bunch of combo guards running the point. They didn't have a real table setter. So – if he plays with – I know John Wall is probably not in their long-term plans, but just think if he played with, like, a John Wall who understands, like, okay, this is your strengths, all right? Let's get you one or two post touches a quarter. Yeah. It doesn't necessarily have to be shots because he's a good passer out of the post. But, yeah, I don't, I don't think they had anyone that recognized. And, you know, they're, they're young. They just got put together. They probably thought, like, who's this kid from Turkey? But – I don't think they recognize how good he is in the post. So he had to get his points off of like pick and roll offensive rebounds and just kind of dump offs, but hopefully he can get some post touches. And I think that you'll, you'll really get a chance to see how good he is in the post. Yeah. I think especially if you have four guys around them that are at least average shooters and hopefully a couple plus shooters, it could really make sense on a team for him to be in the post because his feel is so elite and I don't want to compare it to Jokic, but when Jokic wants to go in the post, it, it's good for the team. It, it, it doesn't hurt you. I know the post is so, supposedly low value, and there is some truth to that, of course. But when you are that elite and have that type of feel for the game, it can be beneficial for the team if it's built in the right way. Yeah, and I think he does have some Jokic in his game because I, was, I, I tweeted about it. There were times where he got the ball at the three-point line. And he's just like, you know, I'm just back my man down here. And the Jokic does that from time to time. If they switch – and he has a point guard on him instead of like passing it to somebody and then reposting or ducking in. He's just like, no, I'm going to just turn this into my home post possession. If you double, then he's going to make you pay. So, um, uh, Shingun is not the passer as Jokic is. I better mean, athlete who, actually who is better athlete actually. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's a lot better athlete I, than I, a lot of people. I, I remember I was going to tweet Alper in the lob threat. I didn't tweet it though, because I, I saw him catch a lob. It, it wasn't, it was, he got off the floor nicely. He gets off. I mean, he's not exploding. Don't get me wrong. Like, he doesn't have that. Uh, <laughs> he's not He's not Jericho Sims down there. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't have that type of vertical pop. But he, he can make plays above the rim. And, and I mean, I think he's going to be really good. I think he's put the Rockets in a position to where they're going to have to find ways to play him. Because, you know, Christian Wood is, I'm guessing, their projected five. But then they signed Tice for like $36 million. So I imagine they're going to want to play him unless that's one of those deals where they signed him because they needed to reach the cap minimum and they needed to have some big contracts. Cause I think right now, I mean, other than wall who they're probably going to get rid of Christian wood, who they got at like a very valuable deal and maybe Eric Gordon, everybody else on the team is like getting pennies. So they probably yeah. needed to have somebody make some additional money, but yeah, I mean, between Tice um, Wood and Shingun, that's three centers. So, but I think well, Christian Wood and Alprin could play together easily. Yeah, I think I they think. can play together. Yeah, yeah, yep, yeah. All right. So, what did you learn about Scotty's Barnes game in summer league, or was it what you expected? You know, he was a guy I was really high on for a long time. I was probably one of the only people saying that you should draft him number two. Uh, actually, but I did hear David Thorpe say it like later on. And I was like, Oh, surprise. There's, there is one guy that agrees with me. You know, there is one guy that agrees with me, but uh, what were your thoughts? I know you called him the goo guy. Why are we drafting him in the top five? If he's a goo guy, but uh, are you more encouraged by watching him now in summer league? Well, let me, let me rephrase that. So everyone was saying he's such a glue guy. Like that was the one thing you kept hearing, like he's a glue guy. And my comment was, are we drafting glue guys in the top five? Like, I've never heard of a guy where they're describing him and his intangibles as a top five pick. Um, but well, I do you, could, think- you, you could you could make cases that Scottie Pippen, Draymond Green are. But Draymond wasn't a top five pick. Like I don't think so. Here's why I don't think Scottie was a glue guy. Simply because that year Jordan didn't play, the Bulls won like fifty something games, and he averaged like Scottie could score twenty a game if if needed, which he he did. He just I feel like he's so underrated 
because he played with Jordan. I mean, Scotty could defend. He could run the point. He was still averaging like 19, 18 points per game. Now, I think Draymond is in a category of himself. And I'm a big Draymond fan, by the way. He's like this elite complimentary. I, I mean, it's, if there's like a label to have on him, it's like complimentary superstar. And that's what Jalen, I mean, that's what Draymond Green is. And also, it's if, hard to compare anybody to Draymond because of Draymond's defense is just, it's like savant and elite, you know? Yeah, I mean, like, who has this combination of, like, smarts, length, strength? <laughs> he doesn't the have be- the one size. Of the, one of the best off-ball defenders I've ever seen, like, help defenders, team defenders. I, I got a funny story about Draymond. So this was 2000, I want to say 15. The, the, when did the Warriors win their first title, 15 or 16? I think it was 15, 16. 15. So the year they won their first title, uh, I'm, I'm friends with Mo Williams, and Mo used to have this, this thing where he called uh, Grind Week, where he would invite different NBA players to come out to Dallas. And for a whole week, they'd all work out together, and then they'd play, and they'd have refs and everything. And uh, Draymond came. So Draymond is, like, talking stuff to the referees. He's just chirping like he does in the game. And uh, Mo says, he tells the ref, don't mind him. He's getting himself – this is like his camp – like he's working on his talking. He's getting himself in talking shape, just like you got to get your body right for the game. He's getting right. his, his talker right. So what Draymond would do was he would take a team of guys that were that weren't NBA players, and okay. he would want those guys on his team, and they would play against teams that had like five NBA players on the team. Like, and Draymond's team were winning because he did. I mean, he was like calling out guys weakness. He, he only goes left. He can't do this. He can't do that. All right, give right here. I mean, he was literally coaching and directing the defense. Like you always hear about quarterbacks on offense or point guards on offense directing the floor general, but he was like this defensive floor general that gave everybody this elite level confidence in their defensive capabilities. Right. And then if they made a mistake on defense, he was there to clean it up from like, shutting off a drive on one play on the second action, denying a post feed to getting a rebound. I mean, it was just incredible to watch him in like that type of setting to where, you know, if there were stats in these pickup games, you'd be like, well, I mean, he didn't even score that game, but he just made everybody better on the defensive end. So Draymond is like a one of one, but if there is one player that I think that Draymond has helped, it's Scotty Barnes. Cause I mean, does Scotty Barnes, is he a top five pick if Draymond doesn't play? Like to me. Well, I mean, definitely to you, but you know, it's a copycat league. So I, I think this, I mean, yeah, that's what that's the name you hear when people Draymond. think about what kind of role. Yeah, yeah. Best what kind case of role scenario. Scotty Barnes would play. Because everybody's he, looking for that, but you can't find another Draymond. Like, no, I mean, <laughs> yeah, and also yeah. Scotty, Scotty has a the closest to be, thing. Yeah, Scotty has a chance to be like one of the best defenders in the league, I think. Just yeah. And, ability. And that's why I think, like, Draymond, you know, because it's a copycat league. Remember, at one point, everybody was looking for the next Dirk. At one point, everybody was looking for the next Jordan. Man, we had all these Harold Miners, and we had all these shooting guards that took nothing but mid-range shots. So Draymond is – I mean, it's, it's hard to find a Draymond or even somebody with a similar skill sets. But Scotty Barnes, in my opinion, has to clo- – he could be the closest thing to Draymond, which I think has really – helped his draft stock yeah i think there are some things in the mid-range he could do um that he's showing flashes of that draymond never did like little fades and turns and if he could add to that he might have a different dynamic than draymond did on offense yeah. but uh you know draymond's the gold standard on defense for sure yep and just i mean that one year he shot like 37 percent from three the Warriors yeah. offense was unstoppable uh, but yeah definitely and i mean i think what you know like i said about the talking that's a big part of what makes Draymond Draymond is he's calling out other team sets and he's literally energizing guys. And he's, you know, that's those little intangible things that don't show him on the stat sheet. Yeah. Oh, uh, Raphael, did you get a chance to see Jello play? Not in person. Or did oh. I? I think I saw maybe like a quarter of a game, you know, when you're in summer league, you're just bouncing from gym to gym and then you end up talking to somebody and you miss, but I think I did see like one, one quarter and a quarter I did see he didn't play. Okay, he actually got a lot of minutes. They they played yeah. him a lot. Um, do you feel he's a legit NBA guy? 
Um, you know, it's kind of like one of those things. I remove the name, like, you know, take away the ball name and the fact that you didn't know him. Then you, you'd have to say, yeah, but then you'd have to look at, you know, like how summer league is and you see guys that play well. And then you're like, dang, they're not, how are they going to make this team? You know, like I look at Yoko Bitis, for example, I thought he played really well when he got the opportunity. Yoko Bitis from, from Lithuania that was uh, drafted by the Knicks. But hey, he looked- had one play where he decelerated on a layup. I haven't seen deceleration like that in a while. He's good. I, he slowed I've, all. He slowed all the way down real quick. I was like, yeah. "Oh, he's good." I've been watching him since he was like sixteen or seventeen. I've been a fan. I've actually done two video breakdowns on him from last year's draft and and twenty twenty one draft. But you know, just looking at like how well he played in the summer league, he was like their third point guard in summer league. Yeah. So you're like, dang, is he going to get an opportunity to play with Kimba and Rose there? So he's probably going to end up going back to Barcelona. So I look at Jello. And I'm looking at the same thing, all right? In Charlotte, I mean, he's a wing. So you got, what, you got Hayward, you got Bridges, you got Rogier. Um, yeah, like, how is, is, is he going to be able to get minutes on that team? Right, right. Here's the thing. I think, I mean, he could obviously shoot. He plays really hard. He looked like he belonged in summer league. Like, mm-hmm. he didn't look out of place at all. My concern for him, I think, is the foot speed for his position. Yep. Uh, I think it would benefit him to get a little bit lighter. But here's also another thing. If he continues with the Hornets, plays G League, goes back to Summer League next year, LaMelo becomes the franchise player that we all think he can be, be- that he can become. It could be like, power. yeah, it could be, <laughs> it could be the honest effect. And we could see Jello on the team. Yeah. And even then, that situation can be tricky because. You know, like think about the guys that went to school that played four years, that average, you know, fifteen points a game in college, yeah. and they didn't get a summer league look. And then Jello hasn't played competitively in like it seems like three years, but he was able to get a look because of his brother. Now he made the most of it, which is which is great. But you know. Um, it's just tough because I've seen situations where guys, they are on the roster because it's a favor of an agent. And yeah. it just oh, I mean, makes that's, things really weird in the locker room. That's a, I mean, well, in summer league, it's a bunch of favors from agents, right? Yeah. But even in the NBA, I mean, I think most notably, you know, the year uh, J.R. Smith's brother made the Knicks and he got like, I, I, I played with Chris. Bag. Yeah. And he got a $500,000 guarantee and they ended up cutting him. But he got, I mean, he made a half a million dollars off of that because. He's still playing too. He's out in Israel. Yeah. He, yeah. uh, but you I think. With him, with him though, he, he did well at Louisville. He did well at Louisville, but I don't yeah. think he was, you know, and it, without the affiliation, I don't know if he gets a half a million. Like, and the reason I know that story so well is because he made the team while Chris Douglas Roberts did it. <laughs> And that's your guy, right? Yeah, yeah. And then that same year, Chris went to Charlotte and they were a playoff team and he averaged like 10 points per game. But then again, you know, it, it can be on the flip side. I remember Chris made the team with the Clippers and Joe Ingles got cut. And then Ingles ended up going to, to Utah and the rest is history. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I just think that was like a favor. But, you know, that, that happens. I mean, if I were agent, I actually had a friend once and I won't name the player, but he was he shared the same agent as a max player. And my friend was a, a fringe player and he, his agent was like, I can guarantee you a job with team X. And my for friend the, was for like, the year or for summer league. No, for the year. Okay. And he, my friend was like, yeah, I mean, it sounds good, but they're not going to treat me right. They're going to treat me as like, yeah, we don't want you here. We're going to, we're only signing you because we need, our max player to react. I mean, but if that's your only opportunity, there is 82 games in a season and you could eventually get your opportunity. You know what I mean? Well, he that's, gambled. That's, I mean, he was like a fringe player. You know, he was probably like a yeah. ninth, 10th row guy in a rotation. He gambled and, you know, didn't take it. And then he ended up going to the Nets that year. And he ended up starting, you know, quite a few games. So he felt like, you know, going to Brooklyn they were giving him an opportunity because they wanted him as opposed to another team that didn't necessarily want him. They just had to sign him as a favor. Yeah. Speaking of Brooklyn, Cam Thomas showing his scoring ability. 
like crazy in summer league. Bones Highland is a guy I was always really high on and he's obviously playing really well. And I think both their games will translate to the NBA level, but the skeptics will say these kind of players are tailor made for summer league. What are your thoughts on those guys game? Are you as high on bones Highland as I am? And what do you think about uh, camp Thomas's scoring spree at summer league? Well, I think bones is going to play. I think he's going to make their rotation as a rookie. Yeah. And if, He's perfect for Denver because Jokic just allows guys that are like combo guards to be themselves. Like if you're a combo guard, like Jamal Murray, to me, Jamal Murray is like not a a true point. If he goes to the wrong team, they're probably trying to make him a full-time point guard. And, you know, he's probably... They're they're sharing initiating responsibilities. Well, I mean, I think it's mostly Jokic, but Jamal Murray could be your secondary, not your main. Yeah, yeah. And... There's games with Jamal Murray. You know, he doesn't have to set the table, which to me, he's best used as a scorer. So Jokic allows him to, you know, sometimes start at point guard, but he doesn't have to be the table setter. And I mean, I think even with Bones, I mean, like you put him on the court with Jokic in different combination minutes. Now you got a really good secondary playmaker. You can tell Bones like, hey, do what you do. Go go get us buckets. You don't have to worry about making sure you know, this player is getting his touches, but, you know, all the duties that you have as a point guard. And the Jokic allows guys to just be them because he's going to set the table. He's going to keep everybody involved. So I think that's a perfect fit. As far as Cam Thomas, I'm just curious to see how it works out. I know that he only knows how to play one way. And I've this will probably be the first time that he's in a position where he's not going to be the best be scorer to, on his team. Yeah, and be like a volume <laughs> shooter. Right. So I wonder, like, in those minutes that he's on the floor, how is he going to do? Like, I made a joke on uh, draft night when we had the live draft show. I said, I cannot wait until there's a play where Cam Thomas has the ball and he waves off KD or Harden at the ISO. I can't wait to see how, how that goes. But you have to be encouraged with uh, how he played. I mean, he played like you expected him to play. You know he's going to get up a lot of shots. You know he's probably going to shoot you know, 40% at the most, but he's still such a dangerous weapon. And, you know, he's going to somehow manage to get to the free throw line six, seven times per game. And yeah, I mean, he's, he's, he's a, just this crazy, like, you know, it's probably a strong word, but I like irrational confidence guys like Cam Thomas can go 0 for seven in the first half. And he's still going to, you know, he's going to let it fly. So He's going to win them a playoff game. I can tell you that. Yeah, there's a there's a bunch of irrational uh, confidence guys in the NBA, but it gets but his to, like there's like different levels. Like, right. It, it can help you and hurt you. It yeah. Help you and hurt you. Yep. Yeah. So I wanted to shift to Davion Mitchell because this is how I would describe a great way to describe for me how Davion Mitchell is on a basketball court. If you took somebody who never watched basketball and they're watching a game and Davion Mitchell is in the game, he'll be like, Who's that? Because of the effort, his motor is just insane. Yeah, yeah <laughs> obviously, he's elite at getting over screens. I probably wasn't as high on him as some, um, but he impressed me at Summer League. I would say it's just what will be his role, though, going into the season with the Sacramento Kings? I don't know if that's the right fit. Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't like it on draft day. And yeah. I know some people have changed their mind. Like, oh, yeah, they can run the three-guard lineup. I don't yeah, know who, how that's going to work. But who's playing the three? That's the thing. I guess Halliburton just by well, size, but okay. Then actually, uh, actually, a better question is who's playing the two. I mean, you got to have the ball in Fox's hands. I mean, you, you gave him a hundred yeah. something million dollars, and you don't want to tell him. So I don't know. I mean, it, it's, it's going to be really interesting because, I mean, nobody can guard like Kawhi and and any of those guys. But Halliburton matched up against Kawhi or Paul George or Bron. I mean, I, they're just going to put a shoulder into him and <laughs> drive him to their sweet spots. So I don't know if Halliburton can really play the three. My question is who closes mm. starting is one thing, but who closes you figure Mitchell has to be in their closing lineup. He's going to earn, he's going to earn those minutes over the course of the season. So who's, which one are, are, can they close with all three? So let's say they do close with Fox Halliburton and Mitchell 
Right, so now who are your next two guys? I mean, are you closing with Holmes and Barnes or Holmes and Bagley, Bagley and Tristan? You know, that's that's where it's going to get interesting at. But part of me feels like they probably made that pick thinking they had a trade in mind. And everybody's probably thinking Ben Simmons, which I don't think would be the best fit. I want to see but, him with the Warriors. I, I don't want to see him with the Kings. I just want to see him with a better organization as a defender of Ben Simmons. Uh, I just want to see him with a better organization. I mean, I, I think Philly is a good organization. I just think oh, yeah, that no, he has of, of course. I, and I've, yeah. I've been trying to say that for years. Like, I, I liked him on Philly. I do think it's time for a change of scenery as of now, though. Yeah, but I think it's his own fault. Like, he his own not working on his game and they've kind of spoiled him. And yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it was never the right fit. They kind of score in the same areas, him and Ben, even though it's obviously in a different way. It, well, I, but I think like if he just worked on a shot, they could, and I don't, I think they could work together, but he just doesn't want to score. <laughs> he, he doesn't yeah. To I, shoot. You know, and my thing always was, and I talked to people about, I talked to really smart people, smart basketball people within the NBA and some will agree with me and some won't. Um, I always said that if I was the coach of Ben, I, I would say, especially from preseason, if you're open, you have to shoot or you're coming out. And, and I think people, they've all told him that. And some people like that. And some people are like, you can't give them ultimatums. So I, where would you land on that? Because I think that's the way to go. Well, I think, I mean, I remember Brett Brown saying, shoot. And then I remember Doc Rivers telling him to shoot. And somebody, I think Brett Brown may have said, at least take one a game. But he just refuses to shoot and i think in the regular season he can get away with it but in the playoffs when they play a good team in a second round teams not all right he's not going to shoot he's going to hide in the dunker spot if he doesn't have the ball even when he's in the dunker spot he doesn't duck in like yeah yeah you can have like trey young on him and he won't even duck in and and then this year he didn't want to shoot he didn't want to be aggressive because he didn't want to get fouled so i don't i I, th- I just think Philly has enabled him so much. And I felt like Doc Rivers spent so much time like defending Ben that, you know, he's always like, this guy's great. This guy, you know, he is great though. He, he was telling the truth. I, I mean, I just think like you can't win past the second round with him because he's best with the ball in his hands, but once he gives it up, now it's four on five. Like if he were just, if he were a cutter, I would be fine with him not shooting. If he were just an active cutter or ducked in, be fine. But he just kind of, once he gives the ball up, he just kind of stands. And so, um, but I, yeah, I just think Philly has enabled him. And I think they've probably tried to defend him to like try to get the best out of him. But for whatever reasons, I think he's just so naturally talented that everything that he has, he's probably never had to work on it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's shift to Atlanta going into the draft. Where did you have Sharif and Jalen? Cause I think I was a little bit higher on those guys than most. Um, and they're proving they should have been drafted higher. I mean, the thing with Jalen was, was really, it didn't really have the to intel. do with his, it didn't really have to do with his game. It was, uh, yeah, that, and he left Duke early and you know, some people weren't fans of that, but, um, it cost him but, some money. You yeah, know? it did. It did. But I mean, he's playing great and the, the shot is looking better. The shot is looking better. And that was like yeah. kind of like a swing skill for him. But even though it's weird, he shot efficiently from three. That, that was one of my jokes. I was like, you know, everyone's biggest concern about Jalen Johnson on the court is his shooting. And everyone believes that Evan Mobley has the upside of becoming a great shooter. But if you look at the numbers, they shot around the same amount of attempts per game. But Jalen Johnson shot better but nobody was really projecting him to be a good shooter who shot who, him, shot who shot more it was like 1.1 and 1.3 it was literally very similar but, as so, far as uh, attempts mobley a little bit higher saying by smidge no mobley i want to say i know johnson shot a higher percentage from three on around the same amount of attempts okay, okay. but the narrative is that his shot is broken while mobley has this high upside to be this great shooter when it wasn't like, you know, Jalen Johnson shot this, you know, his percentage on, you know, 0.5 attempts per game. It's just based off of their attempts was similar, even though Jalen Johnson played a shorter season. But no, I mean, I I thought at the beginning of the year, he should have been, I had him at number seven on my mock. 
most of the time. But then he dropped once he left Duke. I knew that he was going to have to answer a lot of questions. And I mean, Coach K is Coach K. So yeah, that that pro- that hurt him. And I I don't know who's advising him. I know he ended up signing with Clutch, but I just think that move alone cost him 10 draft spots at least. And I, I don't know off the top of my head what 10 draft spots is, but I imagine that's probably two to three million dollars over the life of a rookie contract. And he ended up in a good situation, but really a bad situation. If you they're so deep, because they're so deep. At that at that position, yeah. And so Sharif, I thought Sharif was going to be a, a first-round pick. I thought like a team like Houston that had multiple picks. I thought the Thunder, even though they had a bunch of guards, um, I just did not I see I mean, the Sharif. Knicks, I thought, might be interested, but they probably knew Kemba was coming. Yeah. But yeah, even and- then, like, you, you can get Sharif for pennies. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's true. That's true. And, well, and also I think they knew they were going to re-sign Derek. And IQ is there, and I know IQ doesn't really play the same position, but they, they do have a lot of guards if they knew that was all happening. But I did like I did like them there. Yeah, them but there. in my opinion, like if I were Houston, I would have taken Sharif instead of Josh Christopher. Yeah, Yo, you really don't. You really well, I mean, well, well, first of all, Josh Christopher played well that game. I thought he played well, but he's yeah. so redundant to what they have. Yeah, that's true. Sharif. Like, even if Sharif doesn't start, you got a floor general that is going to get guys in position to score. He's exciting. Like, you know, just think about how if Houston decides, you know, we're just going to stink this year, but we're going to start Sharif and Jalen Green. That That would be that defense. But I mean, they would be a league pass team. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That would be a really so so basically you could tank because of defense, but be box office because of offense. Yeah, but I mean, you got two teenagers that yeah. I just like Sharif. I thought Sharif would have added some some excitement. If, and, you know, like if you're Houston, I would not have drafted another wing that needs the ball. I feel like you already have too many of those anyway. Yeah, and one thing about Jalen Green, and this is the value of going somewhere in person and watching them play, if you look at his face, like he cares about defense. And I know that's his weakness, but if he is really competitive on both sides of the floor and if something doesn't go his way, you could tell that, or even if it does go his way, that he cares about that side of the ball. So that's encouraging, I think, for Jalen. Yeah. But then, you know, we saw the play where he cared too much, but he stuck his whole body out trying to steal the ball from Cade and <laughs> got, right, right, got right. A, ended up on the wrong side of a highlight. But, yeah, right. but that alone, even though, I mean, I'm sure there was some personal. Definitely. You could feel there. that energy. That was that was like that. there was some like because I'm from New York City. There was like some summer basketball energy there, like. How we grew up playing street ball, it, it had that type of energy between those two. And Cade wasn't backing down at all. Uh, you know, some people will say he he's like he facilitates and he doesn't get into the one-on-one battles, but you could feel that energy. Oh, yeah. I heard a rumor from a very reliable source that Jalen Green was making comments like, Yeah, if I would have went to college, I would have been the number one pick. But everyone yeah, I've, yeah, I've heard that, yeah. Fell in love with Cade because he went to college and uh, you know, he got a chance to play on you know tv and you know just more people follow college basketball than the g league so I, I definitely think there were some you know not not necessarily animosity not saying they don't like each other i know they've played together on team usa well they and didn't I remember they didn't, come in, they didn't come in as friends like carmelo and lebron either though you know? yeah exactly but I, yeah. I think like you know even when i was watching that under 19 team Jalen didn't start and all you heard about was how great Cade was coming into that that summer K yeah. this, K this, the projected number one pick two years from now. And Jalen Green was kind of like the forgotten man because he played behind Halliburton. Like that team had Halliburton, um, K, Scotty Barnes was on that team. I mean, that team was really, really good. But it's like, you know, in high school, they were like one and two in their class. And then all of a sudden, after that tournament in 2019 in Greece, all you heard is K. Everybody anointed him as the number one pick in 2021 so i know Jalen probably came in with a, a definite chip on his shoulder yeah and it was a great game i mean you can't really say yes. who won the battle yeah it's true it's true who do you think has the higher upside and who do you think has a better chance for rookie of the year out of those two that's a tough question i think i think both teams need to put both guys in position to where they have the ball in their hands a lot mm-hmm. um 
I mean, Houston has Kevin Porter Jr., who I think is just as equally talented. Very talented. You know, the the uh, intel was had to have been pretty bad on him. Um, yeah, I, I don't know, because you could see – I mean, I wouldn't be shocked to see Kevin Porter Jr. average 23 a game. That's and then I wonder how, how they could complement each other. Um, I think they'll both get a lot of reps, though, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think they'll both get a lot of reps. But I think they also like the ball in, in the same spots. I think True. that I think that Cade will probably have more balanced stats across the board. He'll probably shoot a higher percentage and he'll be probably more steady. Well, I think Green is gonna have and like a better some, team and a better team, obviously. Yeah. And I think Green is gonna have some good numbers, but I imagine they're gonna be really inefficient. Even though he he showed that he could be efficient, but you just kind of looking at his style of play, he's going to take a lot of early in the shot clock contested jumpers, and I think that's going to hurt his his uh, efficiency. While Cade is usually a guy that's going to take smart shots. Detroit chance for playoffs this year? No. <laughs> <laughs> there is, it is tough. It is tough. It is tough this year. A lot of good teams. Any other takeaways for you about summer league? Kaminga. Okay. I like yeah. Kaminga. I yeah. mean, this is a guy that's still kind of raw. Yes. And the Warriors, they they got a good pick there to the point where I think like early in the season, they can give him some developmental minutes. Like at first I was wondering like, man, how is he going to play? But I think he showed enough to where they can throw him out there. And if he picks up on things fast and he's – you know, able to learn. I think the Warriors could be, re- I mean, they're going to be good regardless, but I think he can come out there and, and give them some minutes. Moody too. But I thought Kaminga was impressive. I thought Jalen Suggs solidified himself as the best guard on Orlando, which that team is between Orlando and Houston. I'm curious to see how everybody gets fed because you got a lot of guys that want and need the ball. And, and Cole uh, but, Anthony definitely thinks he's the best player on the team. Yeah. He finished <laughs> Good, but his first maybe like two to three games. I, I, I was at one of them. Yeah, it was. It was, yeah, it was tough. Yeah, I mean, especially the the Pistons game. But yeah, I mean, that's that's going to be interesting. But I thought Jalen Suggs solidified himself as the best guard on Orlando. I mean, you have to pencil him in as the starter. So I wouldn't be surprised to see them go Suggs and Fultz in the backcourt. Yeah, I, Suggs played great, and especially on defense. Like, he yeah, some game changing plays on defense. I mean, we were at the game, right? Where he made the at the end of the game, the yeah. Warriors game, and he clutch shots. I mean, he's 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 got it. He's I still would have taken Suggs at four if I was Toronto. I wouldn't, but we could argue that another day. All right, so <laughs> so last thing before we get out of here, have you started your research on the 2022 NBA draft, and who would your top five prospects be? Yeah, I've started my research. I mean, you got to go with. Chet is definitely – I can't see him playing out the top five. You got uh, Pablo from Duke. I like Yannick Sosa from okay. – well, he's from the Congo, but he's playing in Spain. I like him a lot. I mean, he's raw, but, man, he's like – if there's a such thing as being raw and polished, <laughs> that's him. You yeah. can still tell he's learning. I mean, he's only 17 years old, but, I mean, just good touch. I think that he has I – mean, he's already a phenomenal shot blocker. And he just plays like a team game where, you know, he's the role man. He blocks shots. He runs the floor hard. I mean, it's like this unpolished gym in a sense where, I mean, he just plays so hard. And yeah. he, you could just tell that he hasn't been, I don't know. Like he hasn't been reading his own press clippings. Like he goes out there like. You think Aruba's like that? Yeah. I, 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 I mean, he's bigger. He has more like. I mean, Garuba has the length, don't get me wrong, and, and the strength, but Sosa is like, he's really skinny, but he's long. I actually see some Anthony Davis in him. Okay. Uh, yeah, just the way he moves and um, with the upside of being able to, to you know, become a decent shocker. I mean, he doesn't handle the ball like Davis did at that time, but I could see him having like a Davis-type impact on the defensive end where he's agile enough to switch out on the guards, protect the rim. And then he has good touch. So I think he can develop into a shooter. I mean, he's only 17 years old. So yeah, um, those are my top three for sure. 
after that, you know, you got the the Hardy kid that's going to yeah. the G League. I think he's projected to to be up there. From what you know it now, who do you think will be the better NBA player out of him and Jalen Green? Green. Okay. Jalen Green. Um, who else do I like? I mean, as far as like the returning college players, you gotta love uh Jaden Ivey. Yeah. You gotta yeah. love him from Purdue. Just his motor alone and just how he can impact games with how he plays. I think he might be the top returning player. Right. Any international prospects that we should be looking out for in the 2022 NBA draft? Yeah, Sosa, as I mentioned, you got uh, Roko Prakachin, who a lot of people I thought maybe um, were going to be, could have been, you know, late first round. Him. Uh, you got Nikola Jovic. Right. Not to get confused with Jokic. It's right. pretty much spelled the exact same, except there's a V instead of a C. He's really good. I mean, just a, a he's tool. like a, he's like a small forward, right? Yeah, but he's like a lot of the Serbian guys. Like he's just toolsy, if if that's the word. He can pass. He can shoot. He can put Joe the Angles ball on the ish. Floor. More more, more stuff to his game than Joe Ingles. You know, okay. Joe like he's he toolsy, can play though. pick and roll. He can shoot, but Joe. Joe is not like looking to go to the rim. He just started going to the rim this year when he started doing the little behind the back or the or the, or the I'm sorry the the pass fake to get to the rim. Because um, I remember at one point I felt like in the playoffs teams knew all right when Ingles is driving if you give him a hard closeout he's driving to pass. But this Jokic Jovic I'm sorry kid actually you know, it's funny. And I mean, if you go to my, and this is a shameless plug here, but if you go to my website or actually plug away, my man. Website, if you go to my YouTube channel, NBA draft junkies, type it in on YouTube. I did a video on him. This may sound funny, but you can tell that he's modeled himself after Jason Tatum. So he plays like this. He loves the ball in the mid. Have I heard Paul George comparisons before? Not for me. Okay. But I think I've heard that. Yeah, I mean, he, he's a big wing, skilled wing, but he likes, if he gets a small on him, he likes the ball in the mid post. If he got a guard on him, he's clearing it out. Does he Has take a, tough twos? Yes, he does. Okay. He, he does so not, Jason which, Tatum. Jason Tatum, there you go. But he's, he's more of a playmaker <laughs> than Jason Tatum. So you'll okay. see him in pick and roll, making plays. Now, he's not as skilled of a scorer as Jason Tatum, but he does have, like I said, he's, he's toolsy. If you put a small on him, He'll take him to the mid post. If you put a big on him, he's going to, you know, beat him off the dribble with straight line drives. I mean, not a lot of sauce in this game. He's not going to boogie on you. Right. But he's cre- he, he is skilled enough to where he can put the ball on the floor and make plays. But then he can also play pick and roll. He can catch and shoot. But, yes, he does have some Jason Tatum-like mid post possessions where jab, jab, <laughs> shot. Yeah, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not the biggest fan of that. Even though Jason Tatum is great, I'm not. Yeah, that. yeah. I mean, I think it, it comes a situation. Even though I mean, Tatum has had you know, some success in the playoffs, but there's times where you're like, "Ooh, that that shot." That, right. His game may haunt you in the playoffs. That's why I really like Bones Highland's game. Not to keep going back, like people always say, I talk about Bones Highland and Scotty Barnes all the time, but it's quick hitting offense. Even though he's an ISO guy, you know. Yep. Yeah, it's definitely quick. I, I think Bones is like a combination of Lou Will. And Will Barton, like he's like a. I see what you're saying. That that one on one ISO game, but it's like quick hitting. It's smooth. It's not like like Tatum, for example. You know, Tatum is the ISO player, but sometimes you're like, all right, I know in this possession he's he's gonna hold the ball for eight seconds. Yeah, and- I just feel like sometimes players like that could get off, but it doesn't help the connectivity of the team. Yeah, I, I, I definitely agree with that, especially if they're not, like, great passers. Like, you know, Harden is the ISO guy, but, I mean, are you going to send the double at James Harden? No, because he can eat you up. So I do feel like guys that are, like, ball stoppers and yes. ISO scores, they can uh, hurt their teams because they're yeah, not great I think, passers. I, I think quick-hitting ISO scores is the thing to be now, you know? Which which seems like, like an oxymoron, but I, I get – I yeah. get what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. And Wemby is 2023, right? Yeah. 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 He's only, he's so young that he could play in the under 19s two years from now. Wow. Yeah. 2023. <laughs> He'll probably go number one, right? Yeah. 
Yeah. Yep. But I don't even think he'll be 19 on draft day. And who's better right now, him or Chet? Oh, him. Okay. I mean, he he was he outplayed okay. Chet. I that mean, says that says that says a lot because he's younger, right? Yeah. And I mean, if he doesn't foul out or get in foul trouble in that game, France beats the U.S. I mean, he was that. Yeah, he was good. Dominant yeah. on the defensive end, changing everything. And I mean, that was smart of uh, the what's his name, Jamie Dixon, to yeah. to put Lofton on him, put the big wide body to get him in foul trouble a little bit. But right. yeah, I mean, I thought he outplayed Chet that game. I thought he was more active. And I mean, there's still like at least a year and a half difference in age, maybe two. Raphael, great stuff. We talked summer league. We talked 2023 draft. We talked about some of the teams going into next season. Uh, you know, you're always welcome back on the show. Where can we find you on social media and everywhere else? Yeah, you can find me at Barlow500 on Twitter. I'm on there all the time. Um, and then... Um, NBA Draft Junkies, type it in on YouTube and you see my videos. My, I had a goal of trying to put out three prospect videos a week. I got yeah. two last week, but, you know, the whole summer league thing kind of kind of threw me off. But I'm, right. I'm back home now, so I should be able to, to try to get two to three videos up this week. But that's my goal, two to three. Right now, I mean, it's still tentative, but I want to start maybe like the starting now all the way up until maybe March, just kind of focus on the international prospects. And then... By the time I start working on the American or the college players, it's after they've started like their conference schedule. I don't want to jump the gun and anoint a guy as a first round pick because he's dominating Northeastern Idaho state tech. (laughs) (laughs) Come on, man. There's some good prospects from those schools, right? Yeah, I definitely are. But like, (laughs) I'm trying to think, but you know, like you, you see guys, but then, like, the conference schedule is when you really get a, a better feel of, of, of how guys are. Yep. Raphael, great stuff. Uh, you're always welcome back on the show and talk soon. Yep, no problem. Thanks for having me on. There it is, another episode of Combos Court Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in, and big thanks to Raphael Barlow for joining in on this episode. Combo Nation, don't forget to rate, review, and punch down on that subscribe button it would also be great if you could share this episode share with a friend share it on social media twitter facebook linkedin share it on your ig stories and tag me at one two combo on instagram that's o-n-e-t-w-o-c-o-m-b-o sharing the show helps combos court tremendously be on the lookout for episode two nine four combo out